Welcome to System Mastery, home of the original San Diego Double Thick Fella Burger. If you want two thick fellas, you want our burgs. On today's episode, we discuss Tefra, a steampunk-style RPG in which conflicts are resolved as gentlemen by pistol, saber, or Sussex variety kissing contest. Oh, I'm just kidding. On the great scale of steampunk stuff, this is definitely more of the fantasy side than the British side. But will we be inspired to craft great airships? Or is this just brown goth times? Let's find out on today's System Mastery. Hey everybody, welcome back to System Mastery, the uh, the podcast where I've got body problems. <laughs> hey John, it's me Jeff. You know me, Jeff? You uh, know, from old times? Uh, I don't know if I want to know you. <laughs> you seem to have body problems. <laughs> well, my body problems are specifically that I've just recently learned that you shouldn't drink soda after eating Tums. Yeah, well, you're like a little Alka-Seltzer seagull I right am, now. I am, definitely, that's the problem. It turns out that Tums are a... Or just a wonderful site for micronucleation, or the process by which soda forms bubbles. Ooh. Which means that if you eat Tums and then drink soda, it just instantly expands in your mouth like you're drinking a bomb, and then it goes down into your stomach and just keeps doing that. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my entire inside is bubble. Yes, yeah, no, I'm, 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 vi- I'm turning violet violet. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little chimpanzee in me. Bubbles. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, good. I'm not. Uh, I'm expanding slowly, and it's not great. I oh, hate no. it. Yeah, but I did just get back from a fine camping trip. Oh, what yeah. what good times for you. I'm about to leave on a fine, not remotely camping trip. <laughs> yeah, you're heading to our nation's great capital. Yeah. Uh, home of the Whopper. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Washington, D.C., home of the Whopper. <laughs> That's what it's most well known for. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's some great museums there. I've, I've heard the cherry blossoms are lovely. Also, try the Whopper. There's some great museums. The Museum of the Whopper, obviously. <laughs> yeah, number one museum, first of all, of the Whopper, where you will truly, as a museum patron, have it your way. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Make sure to check out our Flame Grilled exhibit. <laughs> I'm about to get Flame Grilled. What up? <laughs> So, yeah, I just got back down off the mountains and and uh, we had a delightful time. Um, That's fabulous. We did some we did some hiking. Sage was obsessed about bugs, just like she always is. Yep. But she was obsessed about larger, grosser bugs, new bugs, <laughs> bigger ants, big nasty crickets, <laughs> uh, mountain cutworms, which are a moth. Uh, they look like gr- like beetle grubs, but they're a moth cocoon. That have the distinction of being the fattest animal in the world. Ah, like I mean, fattiest is what they're like seventy four percent fat. Yeah, by, which means they're an essential part of a lot of mountain animals' diets. But uh, uh-huh. Sage was just like, "Look at these squishy little things! I love these." I want to grab a hold of this and go. Bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> I just want to treat this like one of them little tubes you can buy in a gift shop, you know. Usually full of blue juice. You know. You know the one. The blue juice tubes. The one that looks like you could probably. I saw blue juice tubes in Vegas <laughs> once. 
you know the one, the one where you pick it up the first time and it's like got a hole in the middle and you're like, I wonder if people use this for... And then every other time and then any time anyone has ever picked it up, they're yes. always like, <laughs> jerking off. Yeah, except in the, then you put your finger in and you realize that all of the friction of movement on those things is on the outside of them and they would be useless for jerking off. In fact, they, they're the sort of thing that like a guy who invented breakfast cereal in the 1830s would use as a jerking off preventative. <laughs> We're going to put one of these little water willies on you, and then you don't get to do anything. Speaking of steampunk stuff, mm-hmm. that's that's definitely what the steampunk era is, right? Like Speaking of water willy, <laughs> people inventing, famous steampunksmen, people inventing boner preventative breakfast cereals. Yeah, that's very highly steampunk. <laughs> it's, it feels like. That's like the American steampunk. <laughs> the Kellogg, the American steampunk. In many ways, yes. Put some fucking cogs and a top hat on that rooster and you are good to go. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to be discussing Tefra today. Tefra. I don't remember when this came out. It, it, uh, 2012. 2012. So we're still edging slower and slowly oh, into newer We're definitely games. edging. A little bit, yes. But don't worry, the water willies. <laughs> the water willies. <laughs> we'll prevent such, uh, such indecencies. so uh, where was i uh tefra is builds itself as a steampunk game it's got it it opens with a foreword that explains steampunk and how everybody loves steampunk look steampunk is a genre that it entices and entrances everyone as Mm -hmm. soon as they see it it begins to get your creative juices flowing yeah it's like being in the wonka factory exactly (laughs) like being in the wonka factory 100 percent like that (laughs) <laughs> the snozberries taste like snozberries. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it opens with this. I, you know, I don't personally like steampunk. No, all that it's much. Not, it's not a genre you enjoy, and that's fine. You it's don't have fair. to. No, it's okay. I mean, uh, it's it, it, mostly for me. It's a definition problem. That uh, it's very rare that steampunk is anything even remotely approximating punk. Yeah. Usually, it's more like steam establishment is what it, it ought to be called where you're because you're playing as the rich people who can afford the blimps yeah oh i mean it's the same issue that cyberpunk has had a lot yeah where it instead of being like ah oh, the whole point is there are all these mega corporations and you are trying to fight against them and find your place in the world yeah instead it's just like what are you oh we're shadow runners and we just do jobs for the ultra rich in order to become ultra rich yes yeah it, it's uh it's it, that that's punk hustle or cyber hustle, I guess you'd call it, where this is just Steam establishment. Except this game, I, as I mentioned in the intro, as far as steampunk games go, this one has a lot of fantasy trappings attached to it. Well, this game... <sighs> okay, so here's the thing about steampunk. Okay, let's just start on steampunk. Let's, I'm spend, gonna... let's spend 45 minutes on steampunk in the last 10 on mountain cutworms. <laughs> okay. All right, and whopper Cut mountain jokes. worms. Yeah. <laughs> so, steampunk has, of course a lot of baggage with it given that it's basically defined by being sort of victorian era england yes and victorian era england is not the best place to be if you're not a white rich person yeah i mean ultimately the very earliest steampunk works tended to be more about the actual punk aspects of steampunk yes like if you read the difference engine you 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 see a little bit that's written from the establishment point of view but a lot more is like three poor people invent aerodynamics it's you know it's that, that that's basically the concept yeah uh that that sort of thing has largely been abandoned in favor of you know heavy brown hats <laughs> <laughs> heavy with gears and progress and felt <laughs> but i enjoy the fact that this game decided to go all right 
I like the aesthetics and the idea of steampunk. Mm -hmm. And because I don't want the baggage of real world England, I'm going to set this on a fake world. Mm -hmm. It's set in on Tephra. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have, you know, elves and gnomes and shit. We're not going to be, you know, regular human stuff. We're just going to have some fun fantasy things with steampunk trappings. Yeah. And at first you're like, what a great idea. Mm -hmm. Because that means you don't have to have a lot of the very inherent racism that is involved in steampunk. That's true. But then he invented his own racism, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say, I mean, a lot of this book I enjoy. I, I, I liked a lot of the opening. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with his, like, Peppa Pig levels of everyone enjoys steampunk. <laughs> everyone enjoys a nice steamed punk. <laughs> but, uh... But beyond that, it's got an opening I like. I, I I like the enthusiasm. I like the the uh, sidebar about piracy. I thought was pretty good, and I don't mean in in world piracy. Yeah. I mean I mean piracy of this game. Yeah, if you were to illegally download or mm -hmm. I guess just steal this book from somewhere. Yeah, there's a little note in there that's like, hey, if you stole this, we understand times are tough, but do us a favor and go tell three people that this game is cool. Yeah. Well, I'll do you one better, pal. I'll tell 20-some thousand people this game is fine. It's fine. <laughs> this game is... It's, it's fine. This game is available. <laughs> also, also, I paid for it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't need to. Yeah. I mean, granted, it was store credit. I don't think I ever actually had any money that exchanged hands. I'll never pay money for an RPG again in my life. <laughs> well, you will for new ones. You're never going to pay for an old RPG again. Never again. <laughs> So not with money, only with Bitcoin. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. No. Do they get you? Hey, coming up. Do you want a cheese dude NFT? <laughs> no, I don't. Too bad. <laughs> Unless all three of the letters stand for different types of cheese. Uh, uh, Neufchatel, uh, Fontina and Telegio. <laughs> I need to tell you that for me, all of them were. N cheddar cheddar <laughs> to cheddar people are about to come after me and tell me telegio is a kind of pork i think and I, I apologize in advance if i'm right that it's that and not cheese and i'll think of a different cheese later yeah uh i'll i'll, I'll mail each and every one of you in through the actual goddamn mail uh, a, a letter that says that says what kind of cheese starts with t yeah uh and, and, Unless I think of it during the episode. The Swiss. <laughs> yes. It's the, they don't like being called that. <laughs> uh, We're all going to make it, John. <laughs> so, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, fantasy world, steampunk stuff. Uh, do we want to get into the world or do we want to get into the mechanics first? Mechanics are fairly simple, so we should start there. For uh, the One thing I, I wanted to note is that this is... I, we we gave vanishing points uh point uh props for this and I want to do it here again. This is a game that uses only d12s. Yes, and uh, I I appreciate anytime someone's like I would like to revisit the lowly d12 and elevate it. I mean not that much because d12s kind of suck. They always like roll like balls, you know, like literally like like a like ball, balls. not not like testicles, but like like they roll off the table because they're round. They are round. Yeah, you know, not like a good solid d20. Yeah, d20s, which of course stop on a dime. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you put a dime and then you put it in front of a D twenty, it's going to stop. That, yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was getting at. It'll be like, whoa, a dime. <laughs> I was looking for a dime. That's top of the line. <laughs> you doing all right there? I'm doing great. Good. 
This is the episode is very focused so far <laughs> Super on focused. the mark. No, all, what I want to say is that the game's mechanics are fairly simple. Uh, all or almost all of the rolls you're going to resolve are done by rolling a single d12, adding any bonuses you may have from any number of. There's a ton of attributes and derived attributes uh, or specialty bonuses. I think they're called specialty modifiers. Well, yeah, because the base idea of Roll a d12 plus whatever, mm-hmm. and then there are four different tiers of success. Yes. And unless you are doing a contested roll or you have a lot of penalties, there's no way to fail baseline. Because mm-hmm. as long as you get anything, you'll get a tier one success. Yeah, so even if you roll a natural one, uh, if you don't have any penalties associated with that role, you still get that one, which is a tier one, moderate to poor success. Yeah, the way that the crit fails and successes work in this is if you roll a one, uh, a natural one means you don't get to add anything to it. So mm-hmm. you just rolled a one. Yes. Uh, if you roll a 12, you get to roll again and add and 12s continue to explode if you keep rolling them. Uh-huh. Uh, now... For a base tier one, a standard, you know, barely succeeding success is a one through nine. Mm -hmm. Uh, In order to get a tier two, which is, you know, your solid normal success, uh, is a 10 through 19. Yeah, which means you're, you're, I'll I'll just say it, at the beginning of this game, you're likely to see a lot of them tier one successes. Oh, yeah. Constantly. I mean, they do say like, oh, tiers three and four are like, tier three is wow, that was an amazing success. It's probably because you were very, very solid and, like, mm-hmm. rolled well for it, and you probably shouldn't see Tier 4 almost yeah. ever. Both of those are, at least in early gameplay, they're primarily reserved for you rolled a 12 and then rolled again pretty well. Yeah. Um. So so anyway, that's the that mechanic covers almost every aspect of how gameplay works. The other aspects, of, there are five, what you'd probably call attributes. Yeah, which the game calls attributes. Mm-hmm. And those are... Those are. Uh, those are. Those are. Those are. No, they're, they're brawl and, no. uh, and brute. Brute. Brute, Not brawl. And, brute and brawl and, and brawniness. And, and uh, bro tude biceps. Bristling with muscliness. <laughs> beef. <laughs> yes, beef. God, I need a, I need a beef game. Uh, anyway. Sorry, it was brute. <laughs> yes. So you have brute. Cunning, mm-hmm. dexterity, spirit, and sciences. Yes. Science! Now, uh, each one of those is further subdivided into what are called skills, and every one of them has roughly the same number. I think only the sciences has more. Yeah, all of them have four skills associated, except for sciences has six. Yes. Because it's steampunk, and the whole science thing is, usually you'll just pick one, so you're like, oh, I'm an alchemist, or I make automata, or whatever. That said, when you invest in, you, you do have to invest in those skills. You don't invest in the actual attributes themselves. So when you when you start character creation, you're like, okay, there's five attributes, but zero is average uh, in in the attributes. So when you when you're actually making your character, what you choose instead of attribute values is skill values. You get one three, two twos, and three ones to invest in any of those skills that there are, I think, twenty six of. Mm-hmm. which means you can't possibly have all of them. And the way you calculate the actual attri- attributes you have is you take how much you invested in skills under that attribute, add that together, and that's your attribute ranking. Yeah, the it's a really weirdly backward way of going about things from your standard RPG because 
instead of your attributes being like, oh, this is what you spend points on or roll for or whatever, you don't. They are just derived from your skills, Mm -hmm. but you never really roll your skills. You're always rolling your attributes. That's correct. So if I have a, let's say, three points in the brawl skill and I go to throw a punch at a guy, I'm not rolling a D12 plus plus brawl. I'm rolling that D12 plus my brute. Mm -hmm. Brawl is just there to give me access to certain uh, abilities. One, it ups my brute score for having it there. And two, it gives me access to specialties within that skill. Yeah. So basically, if you just roll to punch somebody, which would theoretically be a brawl skill, you roll D12 plus brute, which includes your brawl skill total. And also any other skill points you may have invested in further brute abilities. So, for example, overpower or frenzy or resilience, mm-hmm. you would take any one of those and add that, the the, uh, the skill rank you have invested in that as well. And then the other thing, as John was just mentioning, that skills do uh, in terms of numerical value is that they serve as prerequisite numbers to unlock specialties, which are this game's feats or charms or whatever you want to call them, uh, powers your character has. And, again, it's... It's a weird thing where the specialties you get, normally you would look in a game and go like, oh, this is my feats, or these are my powers, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that is how you derive more stats, which is your hit points is entirely based on what specialties you pick, Mm -hmm. because every specialty gives you three things. Mm -hmm. One is a hit point that you add to your total, generally between... You know, anywhere from 6 to 19, depending on what you're getting. Yes. High-end resilience specialties give you a lot of hit points. Yes, yeah. But And then if one's from, like, spirit. Like, if you're taking, I don't know, luck, as as or, or luck actually gives you reasonable hit points, but if you took shamanism, for example, you might get a, a low amount of hit points from that, because it's more invested in the spirit world. Yeah. Now, uh, in addition to hit points, you get two other things. It gives you a bonus to one of your other derived... Uh, stats. Uh, Yeah, specialty bonuses, they're called. So your accuracy, which is just to hit, your Mm -hmm. evade, not get hit, strike, which is to do damage. Mm -hmm. So there is a different thing of your to hit and your to damage roles. And then defense, which is your... To not be damaged. not be damaged. So there's there's, uh, two sets of opposed roles for for, uh, combat. And then priority, which is your initiative, Mm -hmm. uh, speed for move speed, and then you can get extra wounds because this has two different health tracks. Mm-hmm. You have hit points and you have wounds. They're the SDC and hit points of this game. But they're different. <laughs> but they're different. They're swapped. Different. They're swapped, yes. Uh, and then, of course, if you go into the sciences, you can get things called augments, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I know how to make you know, super special weapons. So my weapons are, you know, more accurate. I get a bonus to accuracy if I make my own weapon or whatever. Yeah. Now everyone starts the game with a set amount of wounds. I believe you start at 12. Yes. Unless your race tells you something different. I think there's one race that gets a bonus to hit points. I don't remember which one it was. Um, So you start with 12 wounds. Wounds are the serious business. If you're taking wound damage, it's because you are actually fucked up and, and, and not doing so hot. Yeah. And they have scaling penalties that they will apply to, while you take them as well. Hit points are in this uh, in this game are much less uh, nebulous like they are in D&D where you don't know what the fuck they're supposed to represent exactly. I mean, yeah, Gygax told us in like 1975, but come on, who wants to agree with that? Well, who um, wants to agree with Gygax when it's not exactly what you want to say? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but in this game, they are literally something that you brush off. Like if you get e- any amount of rest, 
If you're like, I got 15 minutes to, to catch a breather, you get all your hit points back. Yeah, hit points are, you know, it varies literally your ability to keep fighting mm -hmm. well. Because mm -hmm. once you get down to wounds, you start getting fucked up. That's yeah. when you're actually taking, you know, meat damage. Yeah. And it's so much in that way that if someone attacks you and you are not ready for it, like if you get sneak attacked, you don't have hit points because hit points represents your ability to currently fight. And if you're not fighting, you're just going to take wounds. Yes. Yeah, which means stealth characters are uh, have a significant advantage in this game over the... Uh, in a, the over, if you can ambush someone. Yeah, if you can get the ambush off. And and I don't mean in terms of uh, they're not overpowered within this game. I mean that in a lot of other role-playing games, stealth characters tend to suffer pretty greatly. And here we see that they actually get a pretty meaty bonus. Yeah, there's a there is a reason you might want to take one of the, like, less damaging but concealable weapons you know if you get a hidden blade or a mm -hmm. tiny palmable gun it doesn't do a lot of damage but if you can manage to sneak it in somewhere and hit someone with it you're going straight to wounds immediately yeah so after that point you're like oh sure i might be stuck with a shitty weapon or whatever but i can fuck a dude up from go yeah and and that is more or less the the majority of the game's uh, mechanics. The other big one to mention is the AP system. Yes. This game uses action points for uh, for controlling how much stuff you can do in a turn. It costs one action point to like move your speed in yards. It costs one action point to defend against an attack. Most attacks cost two action points to do, and you a starting character, all starting characters have three action points. Yes. Um, uh, you get extra action points as you level up. This mm -hmm. of course has twelve levels you can get through. Uh huh. Now. 12 the, is the steampunkiest number. Of course. If you're wondering why they, they, they laid in so thick on that, it's because no thick. number is more steampunkity than 12. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Base 12, man. Mm -hmm. Base 12. Yeah. They're all about that. They're all about counting to uh, F. They're, oh, that's base 16. They're sexadecimal. <laughs> uh, now, the action points, like you say, you use them for whatever. You also... Can only if you want to do unarmed, it's only one point if you mm -hmm. attack with that. But if you use literally anything else besides just your fist, it will take two. Yeah. So there is a big jump once you hit. I think it's fourth level when you get another AP, and you're like, oh, I could make two attacks in a round now. Yeah, you can swing twice, provided you didn't need to move. And by then, if you did need to move a lot, there are specialty uh, uh, things you could pick up that are things like if you kill someone, you get an extra AP you can only use to move towards another target. Yeah. And that kind of thing. So you get the you get the idea there that the uh, the specialty mechanic in this game is uh, charm, stunt, feat, whatever you want to call it. They tend to uh, they tend to be neat bonuses that, that interact with the AP system mm -hmm. in, in some situations. Uh, there are a couple other things that are worthy of note within the AP system. One of them is footing. Uh, in this game, to either hold a mega heavy weapon, like, I don't know, a Gatling gun or, you, you know, it, a super heavy axe yeah, or something. like a piece of rebar with concrete sticking out of the end of it or something. You need to go into a stance called footing, which is that you need to, like, be bracing yourself to use a weapon so heavy. And that's just a starting stance that everyone has access to. You spend one AP, you enter the footing stance. But the specialties are full of other stances, martial arts stances, magic stances. Uh, in most situations, you can only be in one at a time, so you need to switch between them when you're doing things, and it costs one AP every time. Yeah, and the stances are interesting because most of the skills that you look at are generally, like, singularly based around something. So if you wanted to be 
I'm just a punch man. You put points in brawl, you get specialties in brawl. Yeah. But if you were like, oh, I want to be a guy that runs around with like a heavy or a super heavy melee weapon, you want overpower. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were running around with a medium weapon, you'd probably want swashbuckling. Is yeah. the like, I just have a sword. Or if you're the guy who's running around with two short swords you or two axes or whatever, you want frenzy. And if you're the one who's like, oh, I want to be the sneaky guy, you get espionage because that's, you know, small concealable weapons. Yeah. And what's neat about this is that we're talking about the ones that are combat focused right now, uh, pretty much heavily. But all of them have combat effects you can pick up on in some way. Even if you take things like faith or tactics, uh, you still get some things that are like support effects where you can attack and it gives other people a benefit to their attack. Oh, yeah. Uh, So the uh, game doesn't have a lot of investments in heavy non-combat which you would expect from a game that's this skill focused yeah the so that's nice yeah the fact that basically any specialty you pick automatically gives you bonuses Mm -hmm. so even if you pick something that's fairly non-combat yeah like metallurgy or something you're still getting bonuses well even the like oh i'm an armsmith i'm still making better weapons yes but if you get like oh showmanship oh i got a cool dance Great. The cool dance is adding to your evasion. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Everything that you can do that's a cool out of combat thing has something that gives you at least a minor bonus. That's right. Mm hmm. Um, so AP gets like, like I mentioned, AP gets spent on a lot of different things from that kind of uh, from the, the combat sphere. Uh, priority is the initiative system and you just roll a D12 and add and your priority. Add priority. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about it. Uh, now, there are six different races that you can be. Great. Let's get into the story shit. Let's do this. So, well, I mean, that's also part of your stats and everything. Yeah. In character creation, you have to pick what species and what nationality you are. Yes. And uh, the, the six species are interesting. They, they did a, a neat job with coming up with, okay, five of the six species are interesting. And one of them is human. One of them is humans. Um. Each species gets a little list of bonuses because you don't have like plus two strength or whatever in this game. Uh, the bonuses tend to be a little bit more uh, interesting, although a lot of them do end up being like, well, you can't have plus two to strength. That wouldn't make sense mechanically in the game, but you can have plus two to brute rolls. Yeah. Now, everyone has some abilities mm-hmm. baseline just from being that. So you'll, you know, even humans have a couple that they choose from. Yeah. Uh, so you'll be like, oh, maybe because, you know, humans are inventive, you can have extra augment slots. So you're better at making stuff if you decide to be a scientific person. Yeah. The gear you make is more modifiable or, you know, maybe you start with more hit points or, you know, you're better on, uh, like if you roll tie for your initiative roll, you get to win. Yeah. So every species works roughly the same way. You get four or five static bonuses that are automatically assigned to you by species. And then there's a chart and you roll a D12 to choose or to get one of 12 other specialty bonuses that's unique to that species. I do like that the book is like, oh, you could always just pick whatever, but then you might find that your players are getting all the ones that they want. And I'm like, (laughs) Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> no, that, what what worse thing could happen than your players having stuff they want? That that sounds terrible. How <laughs> dare they? I mean, this game's not as bad as like the internet when it comes to the uh, the kind of culture of thinking that players are in self entitled assholes who should be deprived of things. <laughs> uh, but it does have that funny line there. What they really should have just said is like, "Look, these twelve stat things aren't perfectly balanced." Oh yeah, because some of them are, you know, like, "Oh, you could." 
I don't know. You're fine in most intense environments. So if it's really cold or really hot, you're fine. Yeah. Great. And then other ones are like, oh, you'll add like a plus four to all priority rolls forever. And you're like, whoa, okay. I think I will choose that one. Even when taken off guard and you shouldn't get your bonus. You're like, fuck. All right. Great. Cool. Yeah. So uh, the reason that they're locked to a D12 roll is because otherwise you're just going to pick the good one every time. Oh, yeah. Um, Which, you know, that's kind of a bummer because really it should, if one of them's so good that it's character defining, it should probably be moved over to the passive effects. Maybe. Uh, who knows? Or just gotten rid of. But the, uh, oh, I did want to mention one thing that we no. didn't talk about. No, we're good. Oh, okay. We, we got, we, we No, did. let's shut it down. It's fine. We, we're know, good I'll, now. I'll add it in post. <laughs> I'll put it in that letter I'm going to write to everyone if I can think of a cheese that starts with T. <laughs> Dear listeners. <laughs> Dearest listener. <laughs> my dear listeners. <laughs> Please send twine for my boots. So one of the other things this has is a uh, called shot system that is mostly based on trying to do, rather than extra damage, do effects. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have things like, oh, if I want to try and called shot someone in the dome... It's not that they're going to take more hit point damage if I get it. It's that they might get disoriented. Yes, yeah. And and each called shot has uh, three different effects it can generate. Uh, one for if you're attacking them to hit points, one if you're shooting them to wounds, and one if you get a crit that's like a fatal crit. Or like like a crit, uh, just a crit effect. Well, there's crit effects for are they in wounds. Yes, that's right. Because if you're in hit points, you still haven't gotten to a point where you're really hitting them. Mm -hmm. So you can like daze someone or momentarily blind them if you called shot their eyes stuff like that yeah but there is also a resist role for that as well so even if you are like oh, i'm gonna call shot this dude's eyes and try and blind him they can resist getting blinded everything you do in this has a resistance role that is possible to it yeah. like you are never absolutely you know at the whim of whatever's coming at you. If someone decides to try and hit you on the head, it sucks if you get dazed because it takes three AP to not be dazed anymore. So you just get time walked. You don't have a turn. If, if there was one thing I wasn't super thrilled about regarding the called shot system, uh, it's that one of the called shot locations of which there are, I, I felt like there are probably too many. There were like 13 potential called shot locations. One of them is there's 12, 12. Would you, would you like to <laughs> would know you more? Believe it? Yeah. One of them is groin. And I feel like the groin jokes they came up with for the various crits are just kind of puerile. Eh. I mean, one of them is like, you get kicked in the groin, you can't do anything until you poop yourself, you have to poop yourself, which will take three turns to poop yourself, and then once you've pooped yourself, you can fight again. It's it's not pooping, it is vomiting. It's one or the other. It says you need to purge, yes. and it's a groin attack. I don't know, do you purge vomit from your groin? <laughs> No, but you throw up when you get kicked there. You throw up when you get hit in the stomach. That's the one that that's that's a grit effect is called nausea. This one is called purge. Yes, but you see the groin standard one when you're not being wounded is you are nauseous and receive minus two to all rolls. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And then the wound that, one that is literally defines it as different than throwing up. Thank you for proving my point. It makes you poop yourself. <laughs> Or nausea. Pee. I'm not going to say it doesn't make you nausea pee. is different from vomiting. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <sighs> let's fight. <laughs> hey you, let's fight. Hey you, let's fight. Them's fighting words. <laughs> uh, All right, but no groin shots. I don't need to. I, no I really, groin stuff. I don't need to poop right now. <laughs> Yo, I, I've been constipated. You want to kick me in the dick once or twice? 
dick yeah, pants. I'm not willing to rule out that it might be that you pee yourself. Either way, I felt like it was it was just vaguely worded enough that it could be considered it was very clearly vomiting. It is it is very vaguely vomiting, <laughs> or maybe pooping yourself. <sighs> anyway, yes, there are crit effects uh, and called shot nonsense. Anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. So, in addition to humans, which are just sort of humans, mm-hmm. great. You have the Aeodin, which are fish folk yeah, with big weird fin wings. Yeah, they've got they've got like angel wings, but they're fins. They do not look like they make sense as water t- tools. No, I first saw them and they were like, "Oh, these are the the water guys," and here they've got big weird wing things on their back. And I was like, "I guess do those like do they flap and propel them underwater, or what are they doing here?" And they're like, "No, they just spread out like a jellyfish." And I'm like. And do what? What the fuck are you I mean, talking about? I can kind of see that if it was like, oh, they're like manta rays, but their wings are retractable. Like, they can fold them up behind them. Yeah. But then when they fold them out, they just sort of undulate them, and that moves them through the water. I guess. That'd be fine, but it would take... It just seems like it would take a lot of evolution to get to the point where you've got, like, giant cantilevered wings instead of just having fins in the first place. Yes. Uh, now, the Aeodin in the story are basically like, oh, there was a split, a lot of... The fish people decided to attack the surface world. Yes, and there's and then, kind of a schism between salt and freshwater. Aeodin. Yeah, because the ones who were like, no, we're not going to go murder a whole bunch of land dwellers. Yeah. Came to land and are like, okay, we live in like lakes and rivers because we get along with people. Yeah. And then there are the ones in the ocean who are just like Namor and assholes. Yeah, they're just marauder types. Um, You can play as them. There's no there's no reason you can't because, you know, every, every species ca- has individuals that rise up to the adventurer level yeah uh is basically the idea so there's nothing stopping you from playing saltwater aeodin uh the other thing about them as a species in the story is that they are the ones who invented the gravisphere technology yeah they got the gravitons which every you know every steampunk game needs one science bullshit it needs to explain why airships aren't aren't stupid Uh. they always need one and usually it's like, oh, um, we have water that can boil forever, so you can use the same bit of water to power a steam engine for forever, yeah. or wood that's lighter than air, so that you can get the air the, the airship out. So it doesn't make sense to just use a fucking balloon. You got to use a whole goddamn ship. Here it's it's spheres. So yeah, it's the, just anti gravity spheres. Yeah, the Aodin invented anti gravity spheres, and then everyone else has them now. Yeah, uh, they also have their <laughs> their gills are on the sides. Of their torso. Yeah. So they can't wear, like, any sort of normal, like, shirts or armor or anything like that. They normally just have, like, a little vest or whatever. They don't cover up the sides of themselves. Whenever I'm designing my own favorite sexy races, my first thing to come up with is how come they can't wear shirts. Exactly. I'm like, how do I get their abs and nipples and stuff out where I can look at How do I make it so that my fish people are constantly shirtless? (laughs) I I gotta have more topless fish men. (laughs) <laughs> and boy, howdy, does this have a lot of topless fishmen. <laughs> and their other normal trait is, oh, they're very passive. Yes. Which isn't to say that they won't, you know, react to things, but they're usually very much like, oh, I'll take in whatever you're saying to me and, you mm-hmm. know, be very calm about it. Yeah. There's a section that says that that might not, that, that might be perception, that other species just don't know how to read them because they're fish monsters. Because <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck is going on with you, your fish <laughs> Like, I don't get it. If I knew, you know, the way you twitch your fins or whatever might tell me you're real pissed off right now. Yeah. But your face ain't doing anything because you're a fish. Mm -hmm. And then there's humans, which we can more or less skip over. Uh, Humans run the gamut from 
the really good guy ones that are surprisingly light skinned. And then the the less good guy ones that are varying shades of Middle Eastern and black. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. <laughs> yeah. So this is the thing I wanted to bring up, which was, you know, I had said that it took it away from the regular world so you could get away from the baggage of that. And then he was like, great. There's the, like, main city where you're supposed to be from. Just Evangelis. It's it's just England. It's not even a city. It's like a whole country. But yeah, Evangelis is is just England where and everyone there is super pale. Yeah, they're like, oh, people here are pretty pale and they have, you know, fair fair colored skin and But they're you know, chivalrous fairly, and noble. Fairly light colored hair and runs to dark. But then you're like, Alright, what else you got? Oh, we've got a group of what used to own the country. The uh, Zellhoud. The, the Howd. Yeah, which which Go ahead, and when you say Zelhoud fast enough, you can start staring, hearing Saudi as well, you're saying it. they're Howdy yeah, is the, yeah. the name of them. And you're like, oh, the Howdy? Uh, the Howdy Arabians? <laughs> what do you know? What an interesting name idea. Uh, and, and they yeah, are they're, they're, brown-skinned. They're, brown, they're Middle Eastern. Like, in every way, that the, the, the description of them is inscrutable foreign Middle Eastern weirdos. Uh, <laughs> so foreign that even though they're human, their women are bigger than their men. <laughs> I did not get an inscrutable Middle Eastern thing from them, just the fact that they were brown. Okay, I kind of did. I, there was some stuff about their uh, their lifestyle and so on that was described as unusual by uh, uh, in terms of what the way of Anglas people tended to view them. Oh, yeah. Well, it's um, like, oh, they aren't, you know, the prim proper. No. And the they all, they, yeah, they're warlike. They have spent a lot of time researching both, because they're they're the old power. Yeah, they used to own the whole continent and then got fucked up. Yes, and and they're divided into two city-states. One of them is more shirtless sand warriors, and the other one is more of, like, we are actually scientists and inventors and stuff. Hmm. But they're still, they're more like, in, the scientist-inventor one is, like, what the Empire always is in Final Fantasy games. Well, yeah, it's basically the Empire got split east yeah. and west, mm-hmm. and the actual Empress is on one side, and the one that isn't where the Empress is is like, ah, well, fuck them then. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the other sort of, uh, then you've got Paldorans <laughs> instead of Brown, you've got black people and they're pirates. They're all pirates. Their story they fucked up their own country. Yeah. They accidentally fucked up their country. No one's sure how it was some kind of science experiment. They did, uh, their weird graviton experiments mm-hmm. irradiated their entire country. <laughs> yes. Their experience, their attempt to get airborne like everybody else went haywire and they accidentally, uh, mutated themselves with a, a particular radiation sickness that caused their skin to turn to stone. Uh, and then uh, with their skin all stoned, they they uh, they tried to flee the radiation of, the, of their home world so that wouldn't happen anymore. Uh, the, the king sent his two sons to the sky. One of them became a notorious pirate. The other one became like a good engineer. Uh, meanwhile, gnomes came through. Gnomes are a species we'll get to in a second. And we're like, hey, you want us to fix your country? And the king was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then they fucked it up way worse. Yeah. So he went to, basically, he Rumpelstiltskin himself. Yes. He, the king was like, hey, some weird gnome, will you fix my country? And he's like, sure thing, cowboy. Mm-hmm. And then he mutated it all. So he's like, oh, things can grow there now. But they're all just completely overgrown with mutant vegetation and wild animals. So You don't have a kingdom. There's just a forest here. So what happened to the rest of the Paldorans? Well, they live on a couple of what are called storm ships, which are building-sized they rabbits. Live in, they live on Rapture, yeah. and then they raid or people. Elysium. You pick your flying evil city state of choice. Yeah. 
And the thing that got me here, and I know that this is extremely nitpicky and minor, is that th- one of the effects that they can still suffer from, because each one of the species gets to roll a d12 and get a special power, uh, one of their, their 12 is you might still be suffering from that radiation disease, and it makes your skin all ashy, and no one, no one in your own society likes you when you've got your, when you've got ashy skin. And I was like, that is not what you do with your black species, your black humans. <laughs> don't do that. Maybe don't. You don't need to import real world uh, colorisms. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he was like, oh, I'll get away from that. And now here's separated instead of all being together. Mm-hmm. Here's the brown people. Here's the black people. None of them are the good guys. And here we go. And the black people hate the other black people when they're sufficiently ashy. No, pick a different word. Oops, you <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> of course, the the non-humans getting to another species that are also dark-skinned are elves. Yes, elves in this game are interesting. Let's say interesting. Elves are basically bruise-colored giant forest trolls. Like, so, so long-darmed that they can knuckle around and walk around like gorillas do. Yeah, so they're purple-greenish. Okay, so the story behind elves is that they used to be the angels. Elves, the, yeah, angels or the elves that you're familiar with. Like Avariel, I guess. Um, they used to be angels. Something went wrong. We don't know what. It happened so far back in antiquity that we don't even have a fun story about it. Nope. Uh, but they they got dumber, less connected to, to nature or to, uh, they to the spirit wings, world. They lost their halo. They, they became hunchbacked, eight foot tall. They look like troll. They look like World Warcraft trolls without the tusks. Yeah, because they are purple and know, green. Purple and green and hunched and super strong mm-hmm. is their thing. Uh, and they are less civilized, more more prone to sort of being feral and savage than the other species. That said, any given one of them can rise above that and become a, a you know an adventurer in a waistcoat or whatever. Yeah, but their whole thing is they're like, oh yeah, they're the best agriculture species in mm-hmm. the game. They're most in touch with you know natural land and whatnot unlike the gnomes who are in touch with land and then fuck with it i mean you'd think that you'd think like oh the the elves because they're a a species that lives primarily in nature at this point because of something that happened to them should be the best at agriculture but agriculture is under spirit and they get a minus three to all spirit (laughs) rolls uh it's best just not to worry about it the the real thing you should worry about is the other species of elves yeah the farishta so because (laughs) The elves in this game were like, oh, we fell from our previous glory. Yeah. At one point, some elf was like, oh, I did a bunch of science experiments, and it turns out there is some part of an elf missing. There is some weird, like, chemical essence that we don't have, that Mm -hmm. we should. Yeah. And so he invented a, you know, synthetic version of that, and if you go through a process to insert this synthetic essence... Then you get white-skinned, and... You get turned from purple to white. You get white and pretty, and... You might grow little wings, but probably not. Um, And and, and then you're in charge. Oh, and you get a different personality, and that personality is less warlike and more civilized. (laughs) Well, no. Most of the time. You get a different personality from what you were. You could just be like, what's your personality now? I'm a serial killer. I mean, yes, technically, but on average, the elves are more savage and the farishta are more civilized <laughs> <laughs> on a species level like the the farishta are 
basically high elves. Uh, and now that they've been around for 40 or 50 years, there are second generation Farishta that exist. But the vast majority of them are elves that volunteered to go to these like transmutation centers and get painfully turned from one thing into the other thing. Yeah. With now, an interesting twist. Go ahead. I know you're about to do the twist. Well, the uh, Giraza is the elf that made it up. Mm hmm. Uh, he did it to himself, turned into Raviziel, had huge wings, and was like, ah, I'm straight up an angel or whatever now. Yeah. I'm the first of the Farishta. And they started the process of turning elves into Farishta. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a, <laughs> a ruling class of uh, Farishta with big wings. Yes, and you, the game straight, straight up tells you, you can't be one of these. Yeah, you can have some wings, but you aren't part of that cast. No, you can't. It's What a coincidence that the first person to try it got the best possible effects out of it, right? Right. It's not like he did anything different. No. <laughs> but what happens eventually is uh, he reverts back to Garaza. Oh, okay. Uh, so he becomes the elf again and is like, oh, I fucked up. Yeah. Realizes what he has done, basically murdering elves in order to create something else. Yeah, because the important thing, the reason that not every elf immediately was like, oh, sweet, I want to be a winged demigod again. It's because it literally changes who you are. You go in one person, you come out a different one. Oh, yeah. And so Giraza murdered like half of the day cast that are in charge and set out to start a revolution that was like, no, we shouldn't do this. I fucked up when I made this, mm -hmm. and no one should be going through this process. Yeah, but that ship had sailed. Now there are Farishta nations. Yeah, now, and the Farishta nation is like, yeah, and all of the elves are second-class citizens, and we can get away with it because all of them are on a fucking waiting list to be us. Yeah, Dalnatsia is the uh, the nation that's run by the Daycast Farishta. Uh, it is a, a whole nation of forests and gleaming spire towers and so on. Exactly what you'd expect from elves. Uh, gnomes live there, too, but the gnomes that live there are like druidic gnomes. Or I, I think it's just that they live in a place called Miradru, and their species, their their local name is Miradruids. All of the gnomes live in something that ends in Drew, yeah. so that they can be whatever druid. Yes. Yeah. Me, yeah, Mia Drew. That's that's the one there. So Dalnazia is a Farishta nation where there is... There, are uh, elves who are like in waiting lists, but will never be able to afford it. And other elves who are like first generation, recent Farista transfers. And they're not as uh, noble as the other Farista. It's a whole, it's a whole thing where there's, there's all these like class consciousness elements, which tend to get a lot, very colored by the, you know, the color of it all. Yeah. And you know, part of me looks at this and is like, this is a much more interesting way to deal with the idea of race than <laughs> all black people are sky pirates because with this you're like oh this is very much a having to incorporate into a society and like giving up who you are in order to get ahead in life yeah like there is a lot to be said yeah it's about a the elf and farishta mix there what's definitely better here is that it's an interesting examination of things rather than just like like john was saying all, all, you know, all the howder warlike monsters and all the all the paladorans are black sky pirates. <laughs> yeah, not, maybe maybe a little more evaluation is found here, which is a good thing. Yeah, because you can be an elf and be like, no, I'm not just some fucking like woods troll. Woods I've got troll. I've got I've got thoughts and I'm a poet. I'm an inventor. It's fine. Yeah, I'm a cool dude. Whatever. And you can have a Faristo who's like, oh, I'm <laughs> I'm straight up just a horrible little murder goblin. Yeah. 
Notably, there's a, there's a lot of human nations that don't have a lot of other species in them. One of them is, I think it's called Ider- I- Idesia. Or Isadel? Isadel, the one that's the desert. Yeah, there's the desert, which is even paler people in the desert for yeah. some reason. The reason I'm bringing them up isn't because of the humans. It's because the, the elves there are, as opposed to being bruise-colored, are sand-colored and are hairy and are effectively like if trolls had camels that were still trolls. Yeah. Like, literally, they're always on all fours, and they're sandy, and they have hunchbacks that look like humps. Yeah. They're like camel elves. <laughs> uh, uh, other species, gnomes. Let's get into gnomes. Gnomes yep. are smaller than halflings are in D&D. In this game, gnomes are two feet tall. Yeah, they're tiny, mm-hmm. and their whole deal is they're super in touch with nature in a magical way. Yes. They are bioengineers, and they can. <laughs> they made the other species in here satyrs. Yeah. Uh, because in the, the, the Howda Empire back at its height wanted a servant species mm-hmm. and tasked their gnome slaves to make a better slave race. Yes, and we'll get into them in a second. Uh, but gnomes, the the uh, they're very nature, but they still wanted to be able to like have tinker gnomes and so on. Like the people who wrote this book knew where their bread was buttered. So gnomes often undergo something called metal derangement. Yeah, if you're a gnome and instead of working with you know wood and earth and all sorts of natural things. If you spend too much time in, you know, human society and you deal with metal too much, you get metal derangement and you become a classic tinker gnome. Yes. Uh, so that's that's sort of the, the whole deal with them. Uh, they are are too are super nature-y unless they become super metally. Uh, and they have a lot of their effects on that random D12 roll are various types of magic that they might automatically start with. Like they can float off the ground and not touch it, or they're like better in water than other gnomes. They, they can straight up just shape earth around them. Mm-hmm. So they have they have a lot of magical effects. Now, the last species is that artificially created slave species for the Howd that have since won their independence. That is the satyrs. The satyrs are generally seen as fairly, you know, friendly and gregarious. Mm -hmm. They drink a lot of alcohol because they are immune to the effects of alcohol. They're immune to the negative effects of alcohol. They still get, like, charged off of it. See, that's the thing. It's not even that they get... They don't get drunk. No, they don't get drunk. It's like coffee for them. It's not a depressant. It is straight up just like, yeah, I get some energy back when I drink this. Yeah, it's like a stimulant for them. Uh, but they, yeah, they, they take a shot of tequila like a five-hour energy. Yes, and but they, and they also don't get hangovers or anything. So they ignore all the negative effects of alcohol, which you would think, if drunkenness is one of the negative effects of alcohol, then everyone would ignore alcohol. But no, they're like, no, it's great. We still enjoy it, and we get like, it's like coffee for us, so we drink it constantly. Oh, yeah. Gotta have our coffee. <laughs> There's no negative side effect to drinking it, unlike, say, having caffeine, because mm-hmm. we were literally made to not be able to get drunk because they didn't want us to be able to get drunk and rowdy. Mm-hmm. So we, we just drink all the time. Yeah. And if it feels like we're focusing on this a lot, it's because you already know what satyrs look like in your mind. And the drunkenness thing is one of the two things about them. That's not that. Yeah. The other one being that they don't like to fight very much. Yeah. They're just like, Oh no, I'm, I'm a cool dude, man. It's cool, man. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. They're not warlike because, you know, again, bred to be slaves, fairly, yeah. you know, passive. Yeah, and again, the Howd Empire has lost most of its puissance, so they aren't slaves anymore. They're they're a free species. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to, you can be like, yeah, no, fuck it. I am straight up, like, one of the things you can roll is unfazed by war. So you're like, oh, no, every most of the other people that are satyrs are, you know, fairly passive, but I don't give a fuck, man. I'll fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> so so those are your species. Um, 
And then we already talked a lot about the various nations you can be from. I think we covered most of the important ones while we were talking there. Pretty much. Uh, Each one of them provides you with what's called or or a list of what are called background stories. Yeah, story is a thing in this game where you can get given stories Mm -hmm. or have like stories taken away because stories are just sort of part of your background or character. Yeah. And most of them have a effect on the game where it's like, oh, I have a background story and it's, you know, I come from a noble family, so I get access to all the noble stuff and I can go wherever I want in society. Now, there are an absolute ton of these uh, for just about every aspect of the game. Like if you have if you pick one of the in-game religions like Jinzium or uh, uh, Free Thought or whatever religion, there's a bunch of background stories for that religion. Yeah. Uh, if you pick a nationality, there's a bunch of background stories for that nationality and so on. There's there's just a million of them, and you're supposed to choose at least one at character creation. You don't even have to. You can skip them. But they are so free-flowing that the game describes them in the initial run-up for what they are. Is like, sometimes the DM will just take one of these away from you and give you a different one. Oh, yeah. And they're like, if something happens a lot, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, your character is constantly, say, getting into fights. Mm-hmm. You can get a story for you know, being confrontational is your story. And you might get a small bonus to your initiative on starting fights. Yeah. But what's funny about them is you don't encounter any of these because there aren't any attached to the species, only to the nationalities. And then every other thing after nationalities, when you start reading them as you're waking your way through the nationalities, when you read this book in order, you're like, oh, these are just story elements. Like you're looking at the ones for gnomes. It's like, ah, I'm a forest loving gnome. I know a lot about trees, no mechanical bonuses. I just know some trees. Uh, what about this one? Oh, I'm comfortable among elves, and I might have some elven friends. Great. And uh, a- as you keep pushing through, you start seeing every once in a while ones that have super esoteric bonuses. Like, you intrinsically know the layout of any steamship you may come across. Or, uh, you know, like, y- you you understand the inner workings of banking systems. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, I guess that could come in handy in certain situations, but it'd be nice if there was any mechanics to it. And then you start seeing ones that do both. And then you get things where it's like, Oh, I've got cut purse, and I know sleight of hand, so I can hand i hand items or take items from a target without leaving myself open to anyone reflexively hitting me. Yeah, since normally using an item or doing anything like that would let someone get an a reflexive attack on you. So you're like, oh, I got cut purse story, so now I can ignore that part of it. Yes, and then uh, eventually, what I was trying to lead to here is that eventually, um. You start seeing ones that don't have any story elements at all and are just bonuses, like Rodeo Rider. Rodeo Rider is just a straight, no story. It just says, it says Rodeo Rider plus one to resist attempts to get bucked off mounts. And that's like all it is. There's no story about how you used to be in a rodeo or you like you lived among, you had to uh, tame animals or anything like that. No, There's, it's just, just a bonus. Just a bonus to just, staying on your animal if someone tries <laughs> to knock you off. Yeah. And, and so you, as you're reading your way through, you're like, oh, I get it. These are just RP aids. And then you get to the middle. You're like, oh, no, wait. Some of these are better than others because they do anything. And then you get to the end of the list. You're like, wait, all the ones towards the end of the book just do things and don't have any story aids. <laughs> <laughs> Was this book written page by page? It's it's interesting <laughs> that, you know, sometimes you get things that are just like, oh, you you can ride on any train for free because you're a railway worker. And then other ones are just like. Oh, you get plus two to your spirit rolls if you want to stay focused. You're like, huh, one of these has a mechanical thing. Yeah. 
Like I made a character um, I, I, for for our bonus content, which is going to be over at the Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery. Wait a minute, patreon.com slash system mastery? At the $1 level. Where $1? You un- $1, it unlocks all of the bonus content we've made for system mastery episodes dating back to 2016 or some crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a great deal. You, you get so many, bu- but I don't want to go too deep into the character I made, but his starting back uh, bonus for his nationality was he's friends with elves because he lives in the elf country. And I'm like, that's not really a bonus. I feel like it'd be weird if I wasn't friends with elves. No, you're just friends with gnomes. <laughs> hey, don't tell people I made a gnome. They don't know yet. That was part of it. Ugh, part of it. <laughs> now I'm going to change it. Uh-huh. Just to spite you, I won't because he was complicated. Huh? Uh, anyway. Uh... <laughs> now the uh, gear in this, I do appreciate for being fairly simplistic. Straightforward, right along that Gamma World 7th edition line I like yeah, so much. You get... Light, medium, heavy, or super heavy, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's it. And you get to choose, like, and there's a couple of varieties of weapons, but all of them use those same four categories. So, like, it just says, like, melee weapon, light, medium, heavy, super heavy. Bow, light, medium, heavy, super heavy. Range, Firearm. Yeah, gun, light, medium, heavy, super heavy. It's great. There are other riders you can tack onto them that usually just cost some of their, like, damage class. So, for example, if you like it, take a super heavy axe and you're like, I would like this to be at the end of a 10-foot pole. Fine, you can make it into a pole arm. You do one damage class less, but you can reach people further away from you. Yeah. Uh, damage in this with the damage class, uh, when you actually manage to hit someone, mm-hmm. when you go to roll that strike to see how much damage you do, mm-hmm. again, you're looking at a tiered result. You take your tier and multiply that by your damage class. So yeah. if you hit tier 2... And you've got a medium weapon, which is damage class six. You're doing 12 damage. Exactly. Uh, modified, of course, by your opponent's defense roll and their soak value. Yeah, because their soak value might be, oh, I've got a soak of two. I hit tier two. I soak four. Yes, because they it's the same thing. Their defense value is a roll. So basically every attack, this is something I'm not a huge fan of. Every attack in this game is four rolls. Yeah, you have to try and hit. Uh-huh. They try and not be hit. And then if you do hit, you try and damage, they try and not be damaged. Yeah, so it's four rolls, two sets of two of uh, opposed rolls, which is a little much, but, you know, at least it's fairly straightforward and fast. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, the armor in this as well gives you a bunch of, if you go higher than just very minimal, mm-hmm. then you start getting penalties to evasion, so it does sort of want you to pick armor or evasion, Dodginess, so yes. usually you'll be better at either getting out of the way or soaking armor additionally has rankings to it in this case uh, it's divvied up by material type you can have armor that's made out of textile or organic or wood or metal uh, i think wood's one of them nope nope well, well that's wood. organic would be oh organic is, i thought or yeah organic is wood or leather yeah that makes sense all right so it's textile organic wood metal metal not wood. N- not wood textile there's only three categories okay. there's metal organic textile okay thank you wood, wood. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, Spirit, fire, <laughs> wind, water, heart. Uh, you can get parrying items like a cloak or a parrying dagger in addition to a shield. Yeah, I like that. That they just were like, oh, uh, cloaks and daggers just count as shields. Yeah, you can basically just, they have other effects on them. You can use this if you want some extra evasion effect. Yes. Uh, and then the night, uh, another nice thing is they've got a list of equipment and the book is like, yeah, you start out with like 10 princes, the 
the currency is dukes, princes, and kings. Yeah. So um, you start out with, you know, some money. Yeah. But they're like, pick a weapon, pick some armor, pick some, <laughs> pick some equipment that seems right for your dude, and then go on your merry way. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're not going to tell you you can't have a bunch of whatever these things are. They're just like, look, man, it's whatever you can hold. If you want to carry around 10 tents with you at the start of the game, have 10 tents. I don't care. There's a bit in there about uh, animals, because animals in this game are effectively like NPCs that do a lot of good damage. But they're also super expensive. Crazy. But if you built a character whose whole deal is like, oh, I invested heavily in shamanism. My whole deal is I can control a hunting dog. Or if you're like, oh, I super invested into the ride ability. I'm a horseman. Horses cost a hundred princes, and there would be no way I would be able to do this until yeah. later in the game. Yeah. So the games is like, look, we understand this. Those prices are mostly there to stop people from being like, I have a hundred hunting dogs. Yeah. So if your character needs a hunting dog, just tell your DM, and they'll be like, they'll they should, according to this text box, be like, yeah, fine, you have a dog. Yeah. It's what is it part of your concept? It's fine if yeah. you're a horseman. Sure, have a horse, but it, yeah, and your if concept isn't, I have 500 hunting dogs. <laughs> My concept isn't, I own every dog in the land. My concept is, I am all the horsemen. That said, that is one of my favorite ways to play 13th Age, when they're like, what's your one unique unique thing? And I'm like, I own every dog. I'm the only person in the world that owns dogs. Yeah, but at that point, you're basically playing the, I own every cow, and everyone else is just using them at my leisure. <laughs> yeah, but that's perfectly fine. In 13th age, that's not even a very good choice. <laughs> I own all these cows. And people are like, I'm just going to keep eating them. You're really far away. You're like in a living dungeon or something. Yeah, but they're mine. They're mine. Just know they're mine. Just know if I come by and ask for one, it's mine. It's mine. <laughs> you got to say yes. You got to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, that the is... only thing to get into that we didn't, we mentioned that there's a... Te- there's a, The a, specialties? Well, no, a convoluted crafting system. Oh, yeah. Which is part of the specialties. Yes. But if you decide, I want to get into crafting stuff, I, oh, I, baby. I don't really want to call it convoluted. I feel like that's unnecessary. It's it's long. There's a billion, million things you can do to your weapons and your armor and your airship and your cow and your and your uh, your uh, prosthetic arm and your armor. And each one of them is like, oh, if you want to make it so that your boomerang is poisoned, then it has these five ranks of things you can add to it and so on. But on, on the one hand, it is kind of tedious to read through. On the other hand, very good if you're playing fucking steampunk games that you can make lots of steampunk items. And again, because everything is cart compartmentalized into whatever thing it is Mm -hmm. if at the start i go my dude put points into automata and none of the other science stuff yeah i only need to go to that section i don't need to worry about you know whether or not i can do an extending periscope on a trinket like no i don't make those i don't give a shit i don't need to look at it yeah so it's a, it's not a bad system. The crafting system is perfectly fine, and I also like that this game rolls magic entirely up into those aforementioned specialties and skills. Like uh, if you if you want your character to be basically a cleric, then you just put a lot of points into the faith skill. Yeah. And when you're choosing specialties, you choose faith specialties that are things like choose a target within within ten uh, feet of or yards of you, spend one AP and heal them for some hit points. Or every time you hit an enemy, everyone nearby you heals for some hit points. Oh yeah, there's there are definitely a decent amount of things in the specialties where you're like, oh, you can if you want to go into like tactics or faith or luck, you can be like. Yeah, it's not even about me. I just do things so that, like, other people around me can get better at it. One of them is I straight up spend my AP in order to warlord and tell someone else to do a called shot because 
if someone is like, oh, I invested heavily in being able to cold shot motherfuckers mm-hmm. and I'm great in melee, you're like, I'm not, but you are. I'll use my action to tell you to hit that guy. Yeah, tactics is a great power set to choose from. Yeah, so, if you yeah. want to just be a fucking 4E warlord, get a lot of tactics specialties. Yeah, so it's it's neat. It's It's got a lot of interesting interplay to it. Uh, the one downside I would cite uh, about that is that the game starts you with nothing. Like, not, not, you, get, you get three specialties, you get about... I think it's a total of 10 points to invest in various skills, but you have to be uh, very specific in how you invest them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are like 3,000 specialties to choose from, and you will get three. Yeah. It, but it, again, you're only picking, you have to have points in whatever to get a specialty. Yes. So the most you're going to see is, all right, I got to look at 10 different of these categories yeah. and pick. All I'm saying is, that, like a lot like 5th edition D&D, this is one of those games where I'm like, ah, you should probably start at like 3rd level. Yeah. And... <laughs> Thankfully, it has rules for yep. if you want to start at a higher level than first, here's the starting princes you would get because you'll have more of them. Here's the things you get per level. Just go ahead and make a level one character and then level them up a couple times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I I'm, I don't think the low... Uh, my problem with this game isn't that low level is boring or uh, battering like that. It's that it's not... You don't have a lot of options. You're going to be yeah. doing one thing. And like, honestly, a lot of the things that are examples in this game are like... So this person has 16 points in this skill, and you're like, God damn, okay, what level are they, 10? Yeah, because the highest skill uh, points in a skill you can have at level 1 is 3. Yeah, and every level you get 2 points to put in one skill and 1 point to put in 2 different skills. Yeah. So you could be like, level 2, I'm at 5. Yeah. All right, great. I got to put, even if I just choose one thing and get 2 points in it per level. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to sit there for several levels only using one thing yeah. to get to the point where a lot of specialties and abilities come online. And we've seen that in a couple of the games as well, where all of the examples are examples of characters that have ridiculously high stats or are just crazy high level. And it's like, hey, if you couldn't come up with interesting shit for your low level characters to do, how are we supposed to? Oh, yeah. And it, I mean, it says in the game, levels one through three are... You are basically any random dude from your nation, mm-hmm. and by the time you hit level three, you're like, oh, you're probably, you know, slightly better than most people are. Yeah. So level four is where you really start being like, yeah, now you're an actual standout example of someone. You can attack twice. Yeah, great. <laughs> That's a big deal. That's a huge change. Yes. That doubles your damage output. Getting to four is nonsense good if yeah. you're able to be like, oh, finally, I can shoot twice. Yeah. So, uh, you want to get into favorites and least favorites? Fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. What's your favorite thing about this? Uh, Tefra. I, I kind of like the specialty system for the weird bonuses you get, and the okay. the fact that you pick like, oh, I've got powers I pick, but I'm not just balancing like, oh, does this thing give me a better ability than something else? Because you might look at something and go, oh, this gives me like plus one accuracy, plus one to my, you know, priority, and six hit points. But it gives me a really good ability. And you might look at something else that's like, this isn't as good, but it's two evasion, two wounds, and gives me 12 hit points. Like, there's a lot to weigh. Yeah. Not everything is just very cut and dry. I like that there's a lot of crunch that if you want to get into, yeah. you can really dig into this. Nope. In the same way that I look at exalted's charm system and be like man if you want to get into the crunch of this shit you can get deep yeah that's good i like that 
So what about you? Uh, I like that the resolution system doesn't have a guaranteed fail mechanic built into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that a lot. I like that that even the lowest thing you can roll is still like, well, you succeed, but you know, no one's impressed. Yeah, it's like, oh, I want to jump. Great. You rolled a one. You do indeed jump. Yeah. You got your feet off of the ground. It Congratulations. Might, it might generate some complications, but if you're like, I want to jump from this airship to that airship, you're going to do it because, you know, falling to your doom is not as interesting no. uh, as, as succeeding, but like getting caught in the rigging or something. Yeah. The, the fact that the game baseline is just like, nah, man, unless someone is trying to stop you, you get to do whatever you're doing. It just might not be very cool. So I, I like that. I like the basic tier and mechanic of success. Um, so that's going to be my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. What was you say is your least favorite thing in this game? Uh, the fact that, <laughs> man, you got away from Earth and you could have gotten rid of it. And you just decided, <laughs> fuck it, let's put fantasy racism in here. And I'm like, man, I don't need that. And in a lot of weird ways, which I mean, I... Uh, on the one hand, I kind of respect because it's fine to make, you know, you want to have interesting uh, interactions well, between the existing species of the world. In the narration section at the back of this book, yeah, there is a little thing that talks about uh, prejudice. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it does not mention any sort of racial or species prejudice. It talks about like, oh, wouldn't it be neat if, you know, you were in some country and they didn't like you know, the actual steampunk technology. And so mm-hmm. if you went there and were like, oh, I've got like a fucking steampunk jetpack, they would dislike you for it. Yeah. And goes on to say, yeah, and you can, you know, delve into that concept if you want to, but also maybe don't do it too much because nobody wants to play for Paldorans who are constantly shunned and told to get the fuck out of town (laughs) and i was like yeah but you probably shouldn't have put that in there then yeah you're the one who created that situation basically by saying that these people are storm pirates yeah maybe don't but there you go the the fact that you could have gotten away with it and then put it back in instead yeah well i mean i would i would add a corollary to that which is that i don't mind if there's like fantasy conflicts between the species that could be construed the problem for me is more that a lot of them feel a lot like real world parallels. Yes. Um, and that that's the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, well, they don't like these people. The, 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 the light skinned people don't like the dark skinned people because in their experience, the dark skinned people are often pirates. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, you see these elves, these dark skinned elves are brutish and they come from the jungles and you're like, oh, fucking no. No. Think, think about that before you like, like basically shorten down your species to a sentence and then when that sentence makes you go oof you know redo it yeah don't do that <laughs> what are el- what are elves in this game uh they're they're uh hulking savages that live in the jungles <laughs> and they are looked down upon by the versions of them that are white and gentile and more civilized oof yeah. ouch owie oh and if you spend a bunch of time and energy and and like magic resources on on culturing yourself uh, bi- biomagically, bio-mag- you can become one of the good ones. Yeah. Oof, no. Thanks. Mm-mm. Nah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, no. <laughs> so, uh, your least favorite thing in this? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm gonna go because that's already been mentioned. I, I think. Yeah. As long as that's out there and mentioned, I'm gonna say uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it and say that the uh, the low level characters start with like nothing, and basically they might as well just cut that shit out and start you at level four. Yeah. I mean. The, it's it's a minor problem, but but it's something that always bothers me. I mean, I again, I do understand, given the fact that you have so many goddamn options for specialties, yeah. I understand wanting to sort of 
limit you. I mean, even Exalted starts you with ten charms, not three. True. <laughs> and this game does have chain specialties where yep. you're like, oh, you have to take this one in order to get to this one in order to get to this one. Also, you look at things like I was trying to build my character and I was looking through the overpower tree and I was like, okay, well, I want to pick some overpower because I want my character to swing a heavy weapon around. Oh, there's like two powers in this set that don't require a four in uh, oh, oh, yeah. invested all in the, overpower. All the starting overpower ones are, this requires you to have four points in overpower. And I went, huh, you weird. can't. <laughs> This isn't in most of the other ones. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's a problem. There there's like two or three powers that don't require that. Yeah. Um, and it's like, eh, that's kind of a limiting selection. I would just start higher level if I could. Yeah. Um. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. Not, not the worst. Would you play this? Uh, I, you know, I'd give it a shot. It's resolution system isn't terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd want to make my own world for it. The fact that it isn't as steampunky as a lot of steampunk stuff, mm -hmm. like the focus on there are horseless carriages pulled <laughs> by steam. Like there's really not a lot of steampunk as much as there is weird magitech and biotech in this. Yes. Uh, there's a lot more of that. This is, uh, it's interesting because the opening of the book is like, yes, steampunk is a capital activity enjoyed by all. And then Ooh, it gets right. Everyone like, loves steampunk. Anyway, they're anti-gravity spheres. Cantilever winged fishmen. <laughs> you're just like, that's not. I, what? Okay, sure. I None of this is. All right. Well, sure. Fine. <laughs> but the book's brown and there's gear on the cover. So there you go. <laughs> what more were you wanting? Oh, and the lady on the cover has got a corset, a brown corset, Aha. the most steampunk of all possible corsets. <laughs> Would you play this game? Sure. I mean, I there's nothing here I hate. Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, most of the oofs are like interpretations of of. Uh, oh yeah, it's setting oofs, which means I could play the game and be like, yeah, let's not. Yeah, and again, as far as I don't know why I'm calling them oofs, but all of the goof em ups in this book are like because of the way we're reading it. I'm reading. It, I'm like, oh, that oh, could be misinterpreted. I live in a society. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't say for certain that they didn't just not notice those things when they were writing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I could, I could definitely understand. Like, I assume they definitely put the elf for thing in there on purpose to yeah, be oh, like, yeah, a, that, that's, that's trenchant social commentary. Yeah. This is, this is definitely some racial, mm -hmm. uh, commentary and we're going to deal with that, but I don't know that they particularly like. Oh yeah, we just want black people to be pirates. <laughs> I I'm I was I was willing to guess that they thought that that was awesome. Yeah. Was the idea. You're like, but they're sky pirates. That, that's the coolest thing you could be. Have you seen steampunk? Sky pirates is the best thing. Yeah, so I mean, I I I get where they're coming from. Lord knows when you and I wrote a game that was halfway to steampunk, it was um Sky Pirates was like the coolest thing to be. Exactly. Oh, more Sky bootleggers, but still. Hey. <laughs> That's even better. Even better. Because mm -hmm. that way you're you're literally uh, resisting an unjust system. Let the people drink. <laughs> Let them get a little mm -hmm. tipsy. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, we both play this, I guess. It's, yeah. It's, it's fine. Hey. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. You want to go over to patreon.com slash system mastery? We got characters we made. <laughs> I don't because I have to make those episodes. I mean, the only reason I go to Patreon is to post them there. But the listeners, the listeners, oh, the opportunities they have. Oh, the listeners. Oh, the places you'll go <laughs> like patreon.com slash system mastery to give us a dollar. 
Uh, oh, the places you'll go if you know what's good for you. <laughs> and what's good for you? Bonus content. And it's good for the goose and good for the gander. Which one of us is the goose? Uh, me? Great. I call Iceman. <laughs> Great. Or Maverick. I don't know. Which... Oh, I'm very dead. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get killed by a windshield. <laughs> On the other hand, you do get to sing a cool Everly Brothers song. Hell yeah. That's my life. <laughs> Singing cool Everly Brothers songs? And then dying. Yeah. <laughs> That's my life. Dying so you don't have to uh, be married to Meg Ryan anymore. <laughs> dying so I don't have to be in the sequel. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's Kelly McGillis as Tom Cruise's, and then Meg Ryan is is uh, Goose's Goose's, Goose's wife or girlfriend or whatever. I've, I haven't seen Top Gun in I don't know thirty years. Why are we even talking about fucking Top Gun? Go to Patreon and give us a dollar, <laughs> and that'll unlock the bonus content where we make the characters in the game that we just reviewed, uh, uh, allowing us to glean further insights into the workings of the game and expand upon things that you would find interesting. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So why don't you head on down there now and pledge if you haven't already. Help us achieve those many goals we have. It's the way that we get to keep doing this is through the the uh, the charitable contributions of folks like you. Hell yeah. Thank all of you for listening, for supporting if you can, and even if you can't, thanks for being around. Mm-hmm. Tell somebody we're good. Mm-hmm. Be like, these guys. Yeah, link these to guys us. are all right. Just link us to your friend. And it's fine that they're never going to click that link because they're that weird friend that, like, the more you recommend stuff to them, the more they dig their heels in. And I, by weird, you mean every friend. Every single friend you've ever had, yeah. yeah if you suggest a podcast to literally anyone, they're like, Haha, yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> oh, thanks. What's it called again? I'm just going to tune the rest of this out. Oh, good, great. <laughs> That's why I'm glad I always have... The business cards for us so that when someone goes, oh, what's that called? I can be like, here, hold on to it. Look at it. Huh? I hope you'll be there. <laughs> hope to see you soon. Uh, or perhaps I'll find my business card in a nearby trash can. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be checking. I'll look. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, please go support us on that, that site. And otherwise, buy our book. It comes out in like two weeks. Buy it. Yeah, we've got our uh, our fourth book coming out, yeah, at Dungeon Meister Cookbook, 75 recipes for your party. Uh whatever they're basically built around the concept of game night cooking where you don't want the stuff to be too messy or to dominate the table so you can prepare easily in advance and eat food while you're gaming. It's to elevate your game night from pizza and Mountain Dew to the next level and it's all there for under 20 bucks on Amazon or Simon and Schuster. Uh it is called the Dungeon Meister Cookbook. There it is. Mhm. Full color photography and illustrations. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I have so many copies and I love them. All of them are my children. There, I'm not. I'm not going to sell them. In fact, <laughs> I'm just gonna... I roll around on a big pile <laughs> of copies. <laughs> I roll around in a big pile of copies with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon with yet more exciting system mastery content. Until we do, you have a good one.